Do you ever feel like there's seasons in life where every day is a thunderstorm, that it's just constantly raining? I don't know what your rain is. You don't know what my rain is. It's rained so much in your life that you're beginning to wonder, does the sun ever shine? What do you do? How do you respond? Well, do you remember when when we were little kids and it would rain? We would go out and play in the rain. It's only adults that run inside when it rains, but kids, they run out and they play in the rain. As a matter of fact, they learn to dance in the rain. question for you. Do you ever just want to tell the devil to go back to hell where he came from? Come on, be honest. You feel like all these fiery darts are coming at you from every direction. And you're in this hard situation and you just want to say, devil, get away from me. Well, sometimes... Maybe those hard situations that we look at bad are more of a blessing. What do you mean, Pastor Luke? What do you mean? How can when I go through something hard, how can that be good? That's hard to hear. But you know what? If you weren't going in the right direction, and if you weren't following after God, then why would the devil want to mess with you? If you weren't doing the right thing, the devil would leave you alone. Why does the devil want to mess with us? He wants to do that to bring doubt, to bring fear, bitterness, and unfaithfulness towards God. To make you think that God doesn't care for you or love you. And I want you to know there are people out there that are lying to you. And I have heard this lie And you have heard this lie, and I've even said it before, but it never says this in the Bible. You might have even heard it from a godly person. And they will tell you, don't worry. God won't give you more than you can handle. The Bible never said that. I'm going to tell you where they get that from. They get that from 2 Corinthians. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, here's the second part, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There's even a song out there. It says, you may be knocked down, but don't forget what he said. I won't give you more, more than you can take, and I might let you bend, but I won't let you break. If I can handle it on my own, if God's only going to give me what I can handle, then what's the point of God? Honestly, if God is only going to give me what I can handle, where is my faith and trust in God? We're going to be reading from Psalms 23. Go ahead and turn to Psalms 23. Probably one of the most popular psalms. Many of us 
have it committed to memory. Psalms 23, a psalm of David, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table in the presence of thy enemies. Thou anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we come to you today. We exalt your name. We lift you up on high. And we ask now, in these next few moments, Father, I ask that you speak through me. Put your hand down upon me. Let me be a vessel of you. In your name, amen. Now I'm going to go through this passage again, these six verses. But I'm going to break down each phrase for you. And tell you what it means to me. First we have, the Lord is my shepherd. That's relationship. I shall not want. That's supply. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. That's rest. He leadeth me beside still waters. That's refreshment. He restoreth my soul. That's healing. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. That's guidance. For his namesake, that's purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's testing. I will fear no evil. That's protection. For thou art with me. That's his faithfulness. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's discipline. Thou prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. That's hope. Thou anoint my head with oil. That's consecration. My cup runneth over. That's abundance. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's security. Forever. That's eternity. Now, I could probably spend a couple weeks on these psalms. On this psalm alone, there's so much to it, so much that we could get out of it. And unfortunately, some people have to stop at verse 1. Some people who even call themselves Christians have to stop at verse 1 because they have never made Him the Lord of their life. They have never actually said, you are my shepherd. And if you have to stop at verse 1, if you have never made him the Lord of your life, I challenge you to make him the Lord of your life before you walk out of here today. We're going to go through some of these verses pretty quickly. There are some that I want to spend a little more time. I have a couple points. First point, 
How do you learn to dance in the rain? One, by faith. Remember who we are walking with. The shepherd. We are walking with the shepherd. In verse 1, he identifies God right away. Something that pastor has done here, and we even did this week, was when we talk about prayer. There are three aspects to prayer, three elements to prayer. Upward, outward, and inward. When you pray, the very first thing you need to do is you need to recognize who God is. You need to thank Him for who He is and thank Him for what He is doing for you. We need to do this in our daily lives. Before we can identify our problem, we need to identify who God is. The all-gracious and almighty. Another lie that I've heard is, hey, if you just had a little more faith, If you just had a little more faith, maybe you could have done that. Maybe you could have got that promotion. Maybe you could have got that job. That's not in the Bible either. You know, because it says, the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. It doesn't matter how much faith you have. I can walk out there in the street and say, with all the faith I have, say, you know what, this car is coming. When I step out here, I have the faith that it's not going to hit me and flatten me. But it's going to. It's not how much faith you have. It's the object of your faith. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd is a protector and provider. I don't know what your rainstorm is. And I don't know what you're going through. Everybody is different. I may have gone through something similar, but I don't know exactly what your rainstorm is. And I want you to tell your rainstorm. The Lord is my shepherd and my provider. I lack nothing. So how do we learn to dance in the rain? Remember, we are walking with the shepherd. Point number two, how do we learn to walk in the rain? Remember, by faith, remember, the shepherd gives rest and refreshment. You have to notice in verse two, you have to notice the wording. It says, he maketh me lie down. It doesn't say he asked me to lay down. It doesn't say, hey, I think you should lay down. I think you're tired. No, it says, he makes me lie down. Now, for those of you who have children, or those of you who can remember when you were a child, there were times that maybe your parents made you lie down. Why did they do that? Why did they say, hey, you need to lie down and take a nap, or you need to lie down and take, go to bed? They didn't do that because they were mean. They didn't do that because, you know what, that's what I said. No, they did that because they knew that you needed rest. And they knew that rest is good for you. Just like God sometimes makes you lie down. He knows that you need rest. And sometimes when he's making you lie down, it can seem like a rainstorm. For some of you know, about two months ago, I lost my job. I didn't mind my job, but it was... Stressful at times, very stressful. I was working third shift, so apart from 
trying to sleep during the day, trying to balance life with my wife, trying to balance life here in the ministry, I did not have proper rest. Sometimes I'd have to go in and cover second shift, and then it would really throw my sleep schedule off. And I kept telling my wife, babe, I got to do something. I can't stay here anymore. I can't do this. But because of lack of fear, I didn't. You know, it was hard losing a job where I had full benefits, a good salary, two weeks vacation. It was only 10 miles from my house. It was hard, but God knew that I needed rest. And the only way to get that true rest was to not be there at all. I would be lying if I said that I was upset. And I had a little bit of untrust of what I am going to do. But my time was up. I had fulfilled what God wanted me to do. I was able to talk to several people in my department about Christ. There was one truck driver who came in, and every week I was able to give him a CD with the message on it. And he said that was such a blessing to him since he was on the road and not able to get into church. This one guy, he would come to me and ask me about some problems that he was having with his wife. He was physically and mentally abused by his mother. And then one day he came to me and said, How do I forgive? How do I get past this bitterness? And just by showing him passages and just talking to him, I was able to offer him advice about forgiveness and freedom. God had ordained me to be there. And I was able to do what he wanted me to do. And even though being let go was a storm for me, I could still praise him because he was working all the time. In verse 3 it says, He restoreth my soul. I'm not a mechanic, nor do I know anything about body work. So when I look at cars that have been restored, it just amazes me how it can go from that pile of junk to that pristine piece of art. It's just like that. God restores your soul. In 2 Corinthians, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. How do we learn to dance in the rain? By faith. Remember, the shepherd gives rest and refreshment. Point number three. How do we learn to dance in the rain? By faith. Remember, the shepherd conforms us into his image. It says, for his namesake. It's not about us. It's about him. Yesterday I was on Facebook, and this pastor I met up there at conference, Pastor Filbert from Albuquerque, New Mexico, he put this up. He said, somebody asked him, why do you take so many selfies? Do you love yourself? He said, no. I am in love with the person God is having me become. Because when he looked at himself, He knew that he was being transformed into his image. Remember, back in Genesis, it says that we were created in his image. Each day, each and every day, we should try to become more like Christ. We should try to look more like love 
We should try and look, look, look more like joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Sound familiar? Because it should. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. Those are all the things that Christ was. And so we are created in His image, and we are supposed to become more like Him. So we need to practice those every day. It says, He leads us towards the paths of righteousness. Sometimes righteousness is humility. If I'm being raw and honest, I would have to say that I struggle a little bit with this. Not that I'm so, you know, pious and I think that I'm the best. No, it's totally the opposite version of humility. I struggle with allowing people to help me. When somebody says, hey, can I help you do something? I struggle with saying, yeah, can you do this? And that's where pride comes in. And that's where I am not being led down the paths of righteousness. Because I'm putting myself before God. How do you learn to dance in the rain? Remember, the shepherd conforms us into his image. Point number four. I want to focus a little bit more on this. How do you learn to dance in the rain? By faith, remember, the shepherd will comfort us. Verse four. I'm going to bring it up here. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a reason I capitalize some of these words. For this verse, I think these words are the most important. We have walk, shadow, fear no evil, you, your, and comfort. Last week, pastor preached on fear. Fear what is what he called it. And if you weren't here, I challenge you to go to our website and you can listen to it. And you can learn how not to fear. And here's what pastor said. We don't need to fear because if we kneel before God, we can stand before man. Us being afraid, us being unafraid, is not the ability of not fearing. We don't have to fear because of the supernaturalness, the shepherd that allows us not to fear. It's the fact that God is with us. There's a poem. It's called Footprints. Anybody, anybody know who wrote this poem? Good, because the author is unknown. I was trying to trick you guys there. So many of you have probably heard this poem before. Many of you may have it in your house somewhere. And I'm going to read it again. I think it's something we need to be reminded about. Just focus on the words of this poem. No distractions. Just listen. One night, I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes 
there were two sets of footprints. And other times, only one. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could only see one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, You promised me, Lord, You promised me that if I followed You, You would walk with me always. But I have noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, Lord, there has only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, Lord, why has there only been one set of footprints when You promised me You would be with me? Why, when I needed You the most, have You not been there for me? And here's the Lord's reply. He says this, The times when you have only seen one set of footprints, my child. That is where I carried you. The first word that I wanted to focus on from verse 4 is the verse walk. Why do I think the word walk is important? You have to realize, David didn't say, even when I stop in the vow. He didn't say, even when I run through the valley. No, near death, David still calmly walks. He doesn't quicken his pace in alarm or panic. Near death, he doesn't just walk in the valley. He walks through the valley. Walk implies that even when the hard times came, He didn't stop. He kept on moving. Next word, shadow. Think about this. What causes a shadow? In order to have a shadow, you have to have light. And as we know in the Bible, Jesus is the light of the world. John 8, 12 says this. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Psalms 27.1 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? In Psalms 119.105 Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. To trust God in the light is nothing, but to trust Him in the dark, that is faith. I'm going to say that again. To trust God in the light is nothing, but to trust Him in the dark, that is is faith. Charles Spurgeon said this, death in its substance has been removed and only a shadow of it remains. Someone has said that when there is a shadow, there must be light somewhere, somewhere, and so there is. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel and the light of heaven shining upon him throws the shadow across our path. 
Let us then rejoice that there is light beyond that shadow. I love this ending part. It says, nobody is afraid of a shadow. For a shadow cannot stop man's pathway, even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. And the shadow of death cannot destroy us. Because it's just a shadow. And the light is behind it. It says, fear no evil. And you. We really don't need to fear because God is with us. As long as you have accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, He says, I will be with you till the ends of the earth. The valley is where the water is. That's why the shepherd took the sheep into the valley. It flowed from the mountaintops down into the valley. That's where you get rest and refreshment in the valley. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Look at the story of the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man knew that a storm was going to come. He knew that, so he built his house on a good foundation, on a firm foundation, just like we need to build our life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Because every now then and again, the wind will blow and the waves are going to crash. I guarantee you that. What about Job? Let's think about the life of Job. A few years ago, I actually preached a sermon called Walking in the Fog. And fog stands for walking in the favor of God. You want to talk about walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Look at the life of Job. He lost everything. But yet, his friend said, Job, why are you praising God? Curse him. But at the end, Job said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job knew about favor. Favor is not a formula. You can't achieve God's favor. You must receive God's favor. Sometimes we get into trouble when we say, God's blessing must look like this. Or God's blessing must look like that. You must not have God's blessing in your life because look at all the hard things in your life. But look at Job. Favor is God doing to you what you can't do for yourself. I like how simple that is. Favor is God doing to you what you can't do for yourself. Because there's so much that I can't do without God. Favor is God's goodness displayed in an individual's life in such a way that he only God can get the credit. How many of you have ever had something happen in your life that you know you weren't good enough to produce it yourself and you know you didn't live good enough to receive it from God? If you have ever had that happen, then you can say, I have experienced God's favor. 
Favor is a relationship with God of great confidence where no matter what you know, that you know that with God you're going to come out on top. One of my college friends always said, favor is the acceptance, approval, and assistance of God awarded to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. We can only have favor of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. God graciously working to optimize my life for his good and his glory. The favor of God is the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power to accomplish a special purpose through and in my life. To have God's favor means to have the confidence that God is with me and for me to accomplish everything that he has called me to do. The divine ability comes from a higher source, higher than me. Because Jesus is fighting for me. But you have to remember, favor from God is totally different than the favor of God. Favor from God is like God hooking you up with something and then you saying, all right, God, if you do this for me here in a little bit, I'll pay you back. The favor of God is God doing it to you just because he wants to be good to you. I promise you, you don't want to play the favor game with God. You don't want God to give you something because you can give him something back. Because favor ended when Jesus died on the cross. That's when we have experienced the favor of God. God is saying, I want to be good to you just because I want to be good to you. And I want to show the world who I am in your life. God wants to be good to you for no other reason than he loves you. God is fighting for you, and the devil doesn't stand a chance against a child of God. Just because you have received the favor of God does not mean that things are going to get easier. It almost certainly means that things are going to get harder. That's hard. That's hard to accept. How can God show his favor in your life and through and his power through your circumstances if he didn't give you, if he didn't put you in a battle so that he could fight for you and show the world how powerful he is? God doesn't give you favor for his convenience. He gives you favor for his purpose. David struggled. He knew what it was like to go through hard times. We look at the second part of this verse. It says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It doesn't say, Hey, I'm going to get you out of whatever situation you are in. No, it says, I will comfort you. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, Come to me, all ye who are weak and weary and heavy laden, and I, I, Jehovah, I, Yahweh, I, God, the Father, will give you 
rest. Psalms 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. In John 16.33, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have trials. You will have valleys. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. How do you learn to dance in the rain? By faith, remember the shepherd will comfort us. Point number five. How do you learn to dance in the rain? By faith, remember the shepherd will provide all we need in the hour of trouble. It says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want to sit down across from my enemies. I certainly don't want to sit there and be vulnerable while they're there staring at me. I don't want to put myself in that situation. But because of God's grace and his provision and his protection, he says, I will put you here right in front of your enemies But do not fear because I am with you. God's grace, God's provision, it never runs out. How do you learn to dance in the rain? By faith, remember, the shepherd will provide all we need in our hour of trouble. My last point, how do we learn to dance in the rain? By faith. Remember that even in the rain, the great shepherd showers us with love and mercy. Like I said before, I don't know what your rainstorm is, but you need to tell your rainstorm, the Lord is my shepherd and he is my provider. I lack nothing. That's faith. Over in 2 Corinthians, we have Paul writing a letter And Paul knew about suffering. He knew about hard times. Paul was put in jail multiple times for just preaching the gospel. But here in 2 Corinthians, Paul cries out to the Lord, not just once, not just twice, but three times, three different seasons in Paul's life. He says, God... Remove this thorn in my flesh. Remove this from me. I can't handle it anymore. Take this away. And here is God's response to that. In verse 9, he says, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, 
will I rather glorify in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Again, Paul said, I will gladly carry this thorn in my side. I will gladly carry this burden. I will gladly walk through this valley because I know, God, you are with me and you will provide. I'm going to play a song for you guys. It's by Mercy Me. Some of you have probably heard it before. And it's called Bring the Rain.
Like I said, I don't know exactly what your rainstorm is. I don't know exactly what you're going through. Everybody's rainstorm is different. Everything affects people differently. You may look at them and think, well, that's not really that bad compared to what I'm going through. You know, I'll tell you a little bit about how I decided to preach on this passage. So a little over a month ago, I'm doing some yard work and listening to music, and that song came on. And I'm like, wow, that'd be a pretty good sermon title. You know, bring the rain, dancing in the rain. I'm like, I'm like yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. Then on Tuesday, me and my wife, we go over to my parents' house, and we go to leave, and Allie goes, going to drive home. She gets in. She's like, what's wrong with your brakes? I'm like, nothing. She goes, why are they going all the way to the floor? I said, um, I don't know. It wasn't like that when we came here. I said, maybe you're just not used to driving it. You haven't drove for a while. I said, they were fine. She goes, all right. So we go home. Next morning, go to take her to work. I get in see the brake lights on. I'm like, okay, well, let me check the brake fluid. No brake fluid at all. So we go stop at Walgreens, get some brake fluid, put it in, start pumping. Nothing. Not getting tight at all. I'm like, well, look underneath. See if you can see, you know, dripping out. She goes, yeah, it's pouring out. I'm like, oh, great. So I drop her off at work, start heading to work. 
For those of you who know, I started working for Donnie Bartlow, and his brother, Dougie, owns a shop. So I called the shop, and I get to work. I said, hey, Donnie, can you take me down to your brother's shop? i got to drop my car off. He's like, yeah, what's wrong? I'm like, i got no brakes. Like, None at all. Like, I, don't even, I only made it over there by God's grace. And by God's grace and God's comfort and God's protection, my brakes didn't go out while I'm driving down the highway. My brakes didn't go out while some car was pulling in front of me. So they call me and tell me, all right, we need a brake hose on your driver's side. You need a brake hose on your passenger side. And you need a wheel bearing. I'm like, well, I got to have Gotta, gotta have that. I gotta have that. Go ahead and fix that. They said, "What about your exhaust? Do you want your exhaust fixed?" And I knew my exhaust had broken. I had patched it. I'm like, "Well, what's that gonna cost?" They said, "Well, just the exhaust alone is gonna be a little over three hundred dollars." I'm like, "Whew, no, no." So later on in the day, we're done doing our stuff. Donnie went off to the post office. And there I am, just doing some cleaning. He comes back. It's like, huh? You do something nice for somebody, and they do something nice for you. I'm like, well, you hired me. I figured I should do some work. He goes, I'm paying to have your exhaust fixed. So I went down there, paid for my brakes, and it cost me $320. And at first I'm thinking, wow, man. But checked around at some other shops. $450, $500, here this rainstorm that I thought I was in was God saying, no, I'm going to provide for you. I protected you while you drove over here with no brakes. That is my grace. Because my grace is all sufficient for you. As long as you keep walking and remember it's just a shadow of death it is not death itself it can not harm you it can not hurt you keep walking for God says I will be Father, we come to you now. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for providing. We thank you that you are our comforter. You are our healer. You are our shelter, God. We can call upon you. I pray for everybody out here for whatever they are facing, for whatever they feel their rainstorm is, God. Let them know that they are not walking alone, no matter what they think. That you are there with your loving arms. And you are saying, take rest, my child. Take rest. 
in me.